0: It's been a real gift the last few weeks having some of our friends from the different Restored Churches in town. Last week, if you were here, Ashley was here from Restored Rancho. The week before, Tom was here from Restored Temecula. And today, we've got Danny and Mo Kimlot all the way from Restored South Bay (laughs) with us today. Got a bit of excitement in the room because they were part of this community and planted out eight years ago Mm -hmm. and lead just the most beautiful church about 15 or 20 minutes south. And it's just so special to have them here. Are your boys, do they go across? Okay, well, if you see Josiah and Jackson afterwards, say hi to them. They are very loved by this family. But I thought I'd just say two things about this guy before he takes over and preaches. Uh, The first thing is this. Danny, this feels disrespectful, but let me explain. Danny Benjamin Buttons, like he's just getting better (laughs) with age. Like he didn't used to not be good. So that feels like a bad thing to say. Like back in the day, he was haggard and awful. But danny's a few years older than me and he makes me look like a withered stump of a man he's just such a such a good looking guy looking so sharp today and that seems like a very superficial thing to say the other thing i wanted to say is every time i hear danny teach he makes me feel the love of god he points me to god and makes me feel very seen by god and cared for by god and almost like the room gets smaller and i'm just aware of god's feelings toward me in a very personal and impactful way. So if you don't like how good he's looking today, you can enjoy the message that he's going to share, and I'm sure it'll bless you and remind you of God's goodness. Would you pray for Danny with me while he has his embarrassment? Um, (laughs) Jesus, we thank you for Danny and Mo and Josiah and Jackson. We thank you for Restored South Bay, Josiah, our fam who we love deeply. We thank you for the gift that this couple are, the gift that this man is, and we just pray, Holy Spirit, you would fill him with peace and courage and joy and power as he shares. And I pray that you would open our hearts as fully as they can be opened to receive from you and meet with you and hear from you today. We welcome you here, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for having
1: me. Wow. I don't even know how to come off of that intro, dude. Thank you, Grant. (laughs) Um, I've been looking forward to being with you for weeks now since they opened up the preaching calendar. I've been praying to God. I've been studying. I felt like he gave me a word. I started studying. And the psalm that I thought I was going to preach on was Psalm 42. And I randomly hit up, hey, Ashley, what are you going to be preaching on? Like, just uh, just curious. And I've already done, like, work. And she's like, oh, Psalm 42. I'm like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) but i felt like the lord gave me a really unique and awesome message to share with you. And to kick things off, i've just been thinking about how powerful music is. Have you guys thought about this like this this idea how in different cultures it doesn't matter where you are in the world, everyone knows what music is. They have their own they have math and music for sure, right? They have more than that. But music for sure, i've been thinking about a specific way that music has a very Special power like it has an ability to kind of transport us back in time and this very specific song uh, Came up this past two weeks and it came on randomly on my playlist and as soon as I heard it I hadn't heard this over a decade and I, I got transported in time and it was by do you guys know a group called Casey and Jojo anybody what is their most famous song all my life? Thank you Grant's like, I don't know that song. What are well, you about to learn today, bro? <laughs> well, how does All My Life go? All my life, I prayed for someone like... Well, that's not the song that came on the radio. It was this other one, and I don't know if you're familiar with it. Dude, props to our tech team. They, they figured out how to get this playing. Is it okay if I share it with you? Yeah. Lyrics are going to be on the, on the screen. This is the song that popped up randomly at my house about a week and a half ago. They don't make music like this anymore. Come on, guys. Turn it up, dude. I can't believe it's true. Huh. I'm standing
0: here in front of you. And you are here
1: with me. Me and Monique danced to this song 13 years ago at our wedding. not karaoke. I know I'm Filipino, but... it off right there. And so, this random song I haven't heard in 13 years, cuz that's when we got married 13 years ago, played. So I grabbed our portable speaker at our house. Monique was cooking breakfast, the kids were eating at the counter, and I pressed play and we just I grabbed her hand and we danced for 30 seconds. And our boys were like, "Ew, what are you doing? What are you doing? What is that?" Guys, I don't know what happened I I haven't like I said over a decade and I was immediately transported back to Liberty Station there's this conference center that we got married at and I was just back there like it was yesterday guys music song lyrics tone voices it when you put all these ingredients together it has a way of unlocking things in us have you ever felt that before Music has the ability to remind us of joys of the past, but sometimes, with lyrics or without lyrics, I think music has the power to also help us process pain in the present. And I think this is what we often find in the book of Psalms. We're also going through the book of Psalms at Restored South Bay. And I think songs have ability to bring up positive memories and negative ones and painful ones and everything in between. Perhaps this is why Tim Keller, you know what he calls the book of Psalms? He says the book of Psalms is the perfect emotional map for the believer. And we've been going through this series alongside you. I think Temecula is also going through it as well. And this has been kind of like, ai am going to throw a a definition that we've kind of been loosely kind of describing the Psalms. It says that we, I'll just throw it up there. It says this, throughout the Psalms, we are given intimate glimpses into the realities of what it means to be human as well as who God is as we read through this purposeful, not accidental, but purposeful collection of songs, prayers, and poetry. If you guys ever read the message version by Eugene Peterson? He wrote this beautiful thing about what poetry does. And I just thought this definition was so awesome. Look what he says about the poetry found in the book of Psalms. He says, poets, tell us what our eyes blurred with too much gawking and our ears dulled with too much chatter miss around and within us poets use words to drag us into the depth of reality itself poetry grabs us by the jugular far from being cosmetic language it is intestinal that's what the psalms are they're intestinal they're written from deep into the guts that's why they're real That's why they feel more than just cosmetic, real human struggle, real human dependence, real praise and worship, even through broken and hard circumstances. And this is especially true for the psalm that I believe that God gave me to share with you today and with South Bay. It was it's this one, Psalm 126. And so before I dive in, I just feel really limited in what I can do here. I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to continue doing what I can. not Would you just join me before I read it? Holy Spirit, I'm just so aware of my insecurities and my limitations, and I can't do anything up here without you. Otherwise, I'm just making a bunch of noise. And so, Holy Spirit, would you fill this room? Would you already soften our hearts and our minds to receive your word today? And I pray that every single person that is here or listening later on the podcast would be different because of the time that we're going to be spending together in your word. In Jesus' name I pray, the family said, amen. So before I read it, if you're looking in your Bibles, at Psalm 126. There's this little subtitle that says, A Song of Ascent. If you're familiar with it, these songs of ascent were specific songs that the, the Israelites would sing as they were trekking up the mountain towards Jerusalem. And they would sing it as a way of reminding one another of God's provision, of his grace, of his goodness, of his love, of his faithfulness. And so with that said... This is what the psalmist writes in Psalm 126. When the Lord brought back his exiles to Jerusalem, it was like a dream. We were filled with laughter and we sang for joy. And the other nations said, what amazing things the Lord has done for them. Yes, the Lord has done amazing things for us. What joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, as streams renew the desert those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy they weep as they go to plant their seed but they sing as they return with the harvest after studying this psalm i think we're gonna it's it we can break it up into at least three parts and the first part is this first part being in verses one through three longing for better days longing for better days how many of us are longing for better days than these ones Many of the psalms that are written throughout the book were written after they got back home, after they returned from exile, because at this time or during the time of where this is written, the, the the Israelites were captured and they were exiled for 70 years in the nation of Babylon. Think about this. For 70 years, they would long for a home. For 70 years, they, they long for their own customs and their own foods, their own ways of living without fear of judgment or punishment. For 70 years, the older generation would tell the younger generation, guys, there was a time where it wasn't like this. There was a time where we actually had our own temple, and we can worship our God, Yahweh, and there was no fear of persecution. Guys, it was not always like this. We also had a home, a place of our that we called ours. And then imagine being one of those kids, born in captivity. This is all you know. And after a while, you start thinking, all these stories that our parents and grandparents keep telling us in, this, in the privacy and secrecy of our home, are they real? Or are they just childhood fairy tales? Are these stories real? Like the whole parting of the Red Sea, is that real? Is the whole miraculous provision of food and water and pillars of fire in the wilderness, is that real? Is fire coming from heaven with Elijah? Is that, is that story real? Or is that just like what they tell us when we go, go to bed? Because if they're real, well, maybe then God can actually still do what he did. Can he rescue us? If those stories are real, that means if he did it then, he can probably do it again. And guess what? We know that God does. God divinely rescues and orchestrates their way back home. Have you guys ever dreamt of something for so long and it actually happens? Perhaps it was a job that you've been studying for for years or been interning and, t- and going job to job and you finally get your dream job. Or maybe it's the birth or the adoption of kids that you've been praying for. Or maybe it's a purchase of a house or a car or a vacation that you've been saving for. Or perhaps it's when you finally me- meet that significant other. I uh, was honored and privileged to actually, just a couple weeks ago, or actually this is probably about four weeks ago, Went to a wedding for two of our members. I don't know if you guys know, this. you might know him, Jeff, Jeff Olius. He finally got married. He met this uh, girl, Jackie. I'm saying finally because it, it, let me flesh it out. I've been walking with Jeff for years, and we have been praying. I've been walking through his groaning and his mumbling, and it's been painful. It's been hard. We've been fasting. we process processed this. And on his wedding day, Jackie had been, we didn't know, but Jackie was doing the same thing in the background. And in their vows, they talked about this longing and this wanting and this waiting and this prayer and the grumbling and the groaning. And on this day, we finally, as a community in front of their friends and family, we were praising God. Thank you, God, for bringing this dream into fruition. See, I intentionally wanted to mention this one because I think, and I I felt this before, I think sometimes we get insecure about sharing praise reports. Throughout the world and even in our communities, there are people that are going through hard times or maybe they're not having their prayers answered. And so for us, sometimes we feel ashamed or we feel guilty for praising God for his goodness and faithfulness in our lives. But we don't see the writer of Psalms doing that. We don't ever see that in the Bible, especially from the people of God as we read through Psalms. Guys, would you agree with me? There are so many nightmarish things going on in the world that we need to hear stories. We need to hear testimonies. We need to hear about dreams coming true, reminding us that God can be good. God is good. God, we can have hope and joy, regardless of our circumstances change. However, I will say this. We can and should be sensitive to one another. We don't flaunt our circumstances and we don't disregard people's pain. But can we not deny God the glory that he deserves when he does answer our prayers? We need to give him the glory that he deserves. And in the first first half of this psalm, this is what the psalmist is doing. He's praising God after longing and longing and longing in exile. What did he say in verses 1 through 3? He says, guys, it was like a dream. We finally are home. Man, we were laughing and we were singing songs of joy, and everywhere around us, everybody, all the nations that were watching us. They said, "Wow, look at their God. Look at what he has done." And as they were praising our God, we were doing the same thing. But then verse 4 happens. And there's a shift. The gears shift a little bit. This brings us to the second part of the psalm. The first part was longing for better days, but then in verse 4, we see the second part, learning to live here. Look what he says. Restore our fortunes, Lord, as streams renew the desert. Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. The writer is asking the Lord for more restoration because there's still desert. He's asking God, please, do more work because we have tears still we are still weeping because here's the thing they came back home but nothing was like how they left it they just came out of this hard season they had been waiting and dreaming and longing and they came out of it and they came home and nothing was how they remembered it everything was different they were different they looked at the temple, the very center of their life of faith. It was destroyed. It was devastated. The people that they used to live with, they, some of them never came back. They died in exile. Some of the people that they could have gone home and they chose not to, maybe because they got married off or they had gotten used to captivity and they just they didn't have the energy or the desire to start all over again. So when these people came back home, they were like, where are my people? Where is everyone? What happened here? It didn't feel right because they had these questions. Here are just questions that I think could have been going through their mind. How do we move forward when we come back to something that doesn't feel the same? How do we move forward when we come back to something that doesn't feel the same? Or how do we process receiving everything that you've longed for and yet you still remember everything that you've lost at the same time? How do we navigate that space where we recognize and we receive God's goodness and his faithfulness and his provision, but we're still grieving things that were and still are hard and traumatic and sad. See this psalm, you know what I think the spirit is doing? He's like telling me, I want you to teach on the simultaneous reality of grief and joy at the same time. That we have joy and we have grief at the same time. Man, there's this Dr. Ron Walborn. He's the dean of uh, Alliance Theological Seminary, and he has immensely shaped my understanding of what biblical grief is, and he said this profound thing that I hope you guys will grasp. He said this about grief. We must grieve the painful losses of the past seasons of our life before we can effectively embrace the present and future we must grieve the painful losses of the past seasons of our life before we can effectively embrace the present and future. Kind of reworded his thing uh, definition by saying it this way. In order for us to fully experience the joys in our todays and tomorrows, we must fully process the pains of our yesterdays. Now, I don't know if you've known, if some of you I might not have met, but If you know me, you're probably thinking, oh, here we go again. Danny and his feelings and emotional sermons. He loves preaching on this stuff. Guys, I do not. I do not enjoy processing pain in my free time. It is not my hobby to cry. In the Kimlot household, we do not have Weeping Wednesdays or Feelings Fridays or Emo Mondays. Unless Dashboard Confessionals is part of that routine. I'm open. In fact, we've had a loss, a lot of loss in our household, and the words grief and loss have been very commonplace, but it has not, it does not mean that it's become easier. With all that's happened, we can, it's still hard for us to talk about those things, but we've also learned something really important. It's still crucial for us to talk about it. We've learned this in real time, because whether you realize it or not, we all have loss. This famous book by Henry Nowen, he wrote this book called With Burning Hearts, and he describes all these various losses that we all can experience in this life. He, he listed it this way. When we were born, we lost the safety of the womb. When we went to school, we lost the security of home. When we got our first job, we lost the freedom of youth. When we had children, we lost other kinds of freedoms. When we got married, we lost various options. Let me pause here thought this was really interesting because I remembered something there's this young man that just got engaged it's not Jeff so don't don't tie the two but there's this young man he got engaged and it was to this this wonderful woman who loved Jesus and she loved him and they loved each other it was awesome but you could tell this young man was really sad and the pastor one goes up to him he goes yo I thought you'd be happier than this like are you okay like I feel it like no one else is probably seeing it but I know you and there's something And the young man goes, man, like, no, I'm happy. I just, I don't know what I'm feeling. I just feel like, I don't know, like, I'm sad. What are you thinking about? What's coming up? And he started naming these past relationships. And you might be thinking, what a jerk. He doesn't deserve, dude, wait. The pastor takes the time, and he goes, make a list, and we're going to meet every Tuesday. And he made a list, and he says, let's go through each name, and what about that relationship are you thinking about? What about that keeps coming up, painful or joyful? And one by one, that pastor helped that young man close the door. Because as he was processing the grief and the pain of those relationships, he goes, but seeing that, what are you looking forward to? After you look back, what are we looking forward to? What did you find in your your fiancé? As he was processing his grief and addressing the losses, he was able to find closure and fully close the door in the past so he could fully embrace the present and the future. Does that make sense? See, church, the reason why I bring that up is because I think a lot of us might be able to relate to that because I think there are people here that have not done the work of actually processing the pain of past relationships. Maybe it's not romantic. Maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's in friendships that were lost. And whether we know it or not, unprocessed pain might and can affect our future relationships and our present ones and maybe it's not these losses maybe it's other kinds of losses that are affecting you today look what Henry Nouwen also lists he puts these other kinds maybe it's the loss of intimacy through separations the loss of safety through violence the loss of innocence through abuse the loss of friends through betrayal the loss of love through abandonment the loss of home through conflict and war, the loss of children through illness or accident, the loss of particular dreams. Bottom line, nobody gets out of life without loss. So Restored Uptown, what are some losses that might be coming up in your mind today? I ask that because I think perhaps, if you're willing to listen, I think the Spirit wants to bring some of those things to light because he already knows we're longing for better days. He already knows that we're, we're trying to learn how to live in the here and now. And then I think he wants to help us look ahead to the future, which is the third part of the psalm. Let's look at that third part. The first, the first one was longing for better days. Number two was learning to live here. And the last part of this psalm is looking ahead to the harvest. Looking ahead to the harvest. But this is kind of like a paradox because I think the truth is in order to look ahead, we must first be willing to look back. In order to look ahead, I think we have to look back. But in our culture, if we're being honest, we don't like this. We like just kind of moving forward. Let's just move forward. Let's keep it going. I mean, who likes talking about sad and heavy things? That's why so many of us don't, we like surface level conversation. Maybe this is why we avoid talking about our past with friends or family or even counselors. This is why so many people break up via text or quit their job via email. Have you ever gone to a goodbye party and then you felt the temptation to say, this isn't goodbye, this is see you later, but it's goodbye. (laughs) Like, we're not going to be hanging out anytime soon. At the very least, it's a change to what was familiar. And that's the hardest thing about change. What once used to be is no longer going to be the same. And I think this is what the the writer of Psalm 126 is. He knows that this change is good, but it's still really hard. He knows that, man, we are finally home after being exiled for 70 years. Yes, but man, this is not how I remembered it. Look what he says, Psalm 126, 5 through 6. Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. The the writer's using very specific farming language. We plant seeds of tears. We weep as we look forward to a harvest of song and joy. Does a harvest happen overnight? Man, a harvest takes time. It takes intentionality. It takes cultivating. And it takes a farmer, a God who knows what he's doing. You guys know, we've been talking about him a lot in South Bay, but you guys know as Tim Keller passed away, he was first diagnosed in May of 2020. And in that same month he was diagnosed, he came out with a devo on this very psalm, which I didn't know. So I revisited it. And this is what he said about this psalm. He says, joy doesn't just follow our sorrow and tears. Joy doesn't just come after our sorrow and tears, like out of nowhere. Joy actually grows from them. He's acknowledging that, that joy doesn't just come kind of like automatically, but it's God who produces joy from the seeds that come from our very tears. My only question is, are you guys willing to cry? are you guys willing to weep? Man, last year, we say this all the time, last year for our family was really difficult. And in the middle, I don't remember what month this was, I think it was August, uh, two of our elders, Alex and Eric, I'm on this text string, they sent this random Tiny Desk like YouTube video, you guys know what Tiny Desk's performances are? They sent me this, do you guys have ever heard of this artist Ludovico Ainati? He is a musical composer. You've probably heard his music on soundtracks for movies. But he did this tiny desk with only four instruments. It was a piano, a cello, a violin, and a xylophone. No lyrics, no words. And I'm in the car waiting for my boys to get out of school in the parking lot, lined up with other parents, with my windows down. An important detail for you to know. And I'm listening to this tiny desk thing with these four instruments. Within a minute, I'm bawling. I don't know what was happening. There was usually with worship, I could like, man, I'm feeling this. I'm feeling the, the lyrics and the scripture that they're using. But with these four instruments, I was unraveling. And if you know me, I don't mind a good cry. But I didn't want to be the guy, oh, my God, is he okay? <laughs> Especially with these other parents next to me in the car. I, I think I was wailing. Like, it was, it was audible crying not cute that very that time of the year we had just suffered a loss in our family and that loss that man who our uncle frank who died was diagnosed with the same thing my dad was going through at that time i was like man how am i going to get through this because I'm in the middle of seminary. I'm in finals. I feel like I had to still be the cheerleader that we sometimes feel the pressure to be at Restored South Bay. As a pastor, I still had to make sure that my kids were having memories filled with joy and not always crying. And I was crumbling. And for me, in these moments with those four instruments, I felt like God was giving me a soundtrack for all of my exhaustion, all of my sadness, all of my worry and anxiety. If you guys know Diana Aiken's, She's one of our friends of Restored Family of Churches. She's a spiritual director and counselor. You know what she calls these moments? She calls these moments the gift of divine release. It's when the Lord gives you a gift of divine release, when he knows you need to just let it out, where he knows you enough to be like, go ahead, Danny, go. Tell me how you're mad. Tell me how you're frustrated. Let it out. And in these moments, we're expressing our sorrow. Do you know that's the most basic definition of grieving? It's when we express our sorrow. That's all it is. And maybe for some of us today, you need a divine release of tears. One of the most prominent theologians who have studied the book of Psalms, his name is Walter Brueggemann, he wrote this three-worded sentence that I thought was so profound. He said, Weeping permits newness. Weeping permits newness. You know what weeping does? It opens up space for something new to grow. You let, spa- you let something out so something can come back in. It opens things up. And I don't think Brueggemann or the writer of Psalm 126 is talking about literal tears. So for you, if maybe crying and tears, actual tears is not your thing, maybe you can grieve in other ways. Counselors have talked about grief journals for years. Maybe for you, it is counseling. Maybe for you, it's you're, you're a creative. You love creating art to express this current season. Collages, <laughs> short stories, spoken word to capture your pain and sadness. Maybe you like to build things or to grow things. I know a number of people that ha- are growing rose bushes or trees in memorandum of babies and other loved ones or even dreams that they have lost. Other people love walking in nature so they can just let it out to the creator that they're surrounded by. Maybe it's all of the above, or maybe it's none of these that I've listed. But I'm not listing things that you might like to keep you busy. I'm listing things that will keep you honest. And you might not like it, to be honest. Because some of the things that God's inviting us to, we're not going to enjoy it, but it doesn't mean that it's not good. Because God promises when we're grieving, something good's going to happen. Look what it, do you guys remember this verse in the Beatitudes? Matthew 5, verse 4 says this. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. This is a promise. It's kind of, it's kind of assumed that this is what this verse is saying. Comfort comes when mourning is happening. Just like joy will come when weeping is happening. Now listen, I know this is a hard word. I know there are people here right now that might be thinking, yeah, I don't know. I don't really see the point of like going back in the past and talking about these things. What's done is done. Like why do I have to do that? What's that stuff really going to do? Or maybe you're like, Danny, I don't know if I have the faith to do that. My faith is really hanging on by a thread. Or maybe you're saying, Danny, I'm so exhausted for you to have to, challenge me to go back and have to revisit these painful things I am barely keeping my head above water in this current season I don't know if I have the time or the energy to do that guys I totally get that trust me I think it's really easy to just like not to like not deal but church hear me when I say this (laughs) if we don't treat our wounds they're going to get infected. When we don't treat our wounds, they can get infected. And I have learned this the hard way. After 19 years of being in full-time ministry, I have seen people try to avoid a lot of their emotional wounds. And the thing about emotional wounds is that they don't just affect the person. They affect their kids, their parents, their friends, their siblings, their communities, their present and their future. We might believe that I don't have time to deal with this, but I believe we don't have time not to deal with this. But how? Maybe that's what you're asking now, but how? When we're weak, when we're tired, when we're fearful or we're stubborn, how can we even begin this process? Guys, we hear it every Sunday. This is how. We start by looking at Jesus. Think about how Jesus dealt with hard things. Jesus never just kept moving things forward. Let's keep it moving, guys. No time to cry. He was never like, just shove it down. Just shove down the grief. Just shove down the emotions. He was never like refusing to pretend like things were fine when they weren't. You know what Jesus did instead? Jesus looked at Jerusalem on a mountainside, and he, his heart broke. And he was weeping over the city saying, man, how did we get here? Not because he didn't know, but because he didn't want this. When his friend Lazarus died, he wept at that very moment, even though he already knew he was going to bring him back, but he still cried alongside his friends, Ma- Mary and Martha. Jesus cried out in the garden to his father in to the point of sweat and tears, and he cried out to his father on the cross, asking, my God, my God, have you forsaken me? No wonder Isaiah 53 nicknames Jesus. He was a suffering servant and a man of sorrows. Jesus' life and death is the ultimate example of what it looks like to sow a a field of tears in order to reap a harvest of joy later. And maybe that harvest is not going to come today. Maybe that harvest is not going to come tomorrow, but we know for sure that harvest is going to come in eternity. I just want to read Revelation 21, verse 4. It says this. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. <laughs> I've read this verse so many times. But you know what came afresh for me when I was looking at this? Is that Jesus doesn't just erase our tears. He allows for them he sees them, he acknowledges them, and then he promises with his own finger he's going to take them from us. See, the truth is, if Jesus was exiled to the darkest of places and still came out victorious, then he can do that for us too. If Jesus never ran away from his own pain and grief, then he can help us do the same too. Amen? So here's what I think the Spirit is going to invite us to do today. Let's do work with God. Let's talk to our Father. Let's talk to the Spirit today and acknowledge that maybe God is bringing something up for us. And I'm posing these questions just to kind of get us started in this time of reflection. Maybe listen to the Spirit and ask him to bring things to mind he might be inviting you to grieve, like, what losses come to mind? What have you not properly grieved yet? What are you afraid to be honest with the Lord about in terms of your pain? What have what are some endings and goodbyes you haven't fully processed yet? What are traumas and wounds you suspect might be getting infected? And simply what makes you cry? What makes you weep and grieve? Is there anything there? When I saw, uh, when I heard Ron Walborn talk about this, he said something really interesting that really stuck with me. He said, Sometimes when we think about this, the Lord will bring to mind things that we thought we already grieved. And that's not uncommon. That God might actually bring stuff that you thought, Dan. Lord, I thought I dealt with that already. I thought I had already processed and revisited that pain. But God loves us too much to pretend like they're still not there. There's still stuff there. Because he wants to heal us wholly and from deep down. And so maybe that's true for some of you to hear today. What might be those things for you? And so for the next few minutes, we'll leave some time just to listen. And then Grant's going to come up after the first song. We'll have a song after that listening time. You guys can feel free to provide prayer at any moment. But I thought it's so fitting that after the first song, in order for us to have hope in looking ahead to the future, we got to look back at what Jesus has done for us by doing communion. And so Grant will lead us into a time of taking communion as well. Yeah? And so as we listen, let me go ahead and pray. Father, I think we're all longing for better days. Yes, there are joys in the now. Yes, there are things that we are grateful for, things that we recognize that you have been good, you have been faithful, you have provided, you have been gracious, and we see those blessings today, yes but there's still something in us, in our hearts that longs for better days and we know that those days aren't going to be perfect until you come back. So we're still learning what it means to live in the here and now as we look ahead to the future. So thank you, God, that you love us enough to invite us to look back in order to do that. Holy Spirit, would you bring healing today? real healing. And as my brothers and sisters contemplate that invitation, I also just want to pray for courage. It's going to take courage to have to revisit some of these dark places. But ah, how brave you were, Jesus, to go into those dark places on our behalf so that we could reap the benefits and the harvest of joy to come. So, Spirit, do the work that I cannot and allow us to be more like you because of this time. In Jesus' name I pray.
0: Amen. We are going to go into a time of communion, as Danny said, and I think he's just set it up so well with the message he shared today. And I think one line that he said in the message stood out to me, um, and I think will just help us as we come to the table, and that was to embrace our present, to embrace the future we need to look back. And that really is what we do when we come to the cross. We, we look back, or when we come to take communion, we, we look back to the cross. We remember who Jesus is, we remember what he's done, we remember what that means for us. We, we think about the freedom that means, the forgiveness, the, the hope that that means for us in the present, and that impacts the now. It's an amazing moment of engaging with God and, and feeling free and forgiven and loved. And there were just three things I wanted to bring to you before, just in light of Danny's message. Um, The first was suffering and pain. There's a quote that some of you might have heard before. It's from John Stott, but he says, I could never myself believe in a God if it were not for the cross. In the real world of pain, how could one worship a God who is immune to it? And in the cross, we see that God suffers and endures pain. Physical, emotional, existential, significant pain and suffering. And I just want to say for you today, if if you are feeling pain, if you're suffering, if if you're experiencing some of what Danny's saying, Jesus has endured pain too. He can relate to you. Come to him because he understands and he knows. Thought for some of you today, maybe you feel I am not good enough to come to him. Uh, And in Romans 5, It says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not when we were good enough, not when we were forgiven, not when we cleaned up our act. While we were still sinners, because of his love for us, Christ died for us. So know that today, even if you feel like your week hasn't been good, your month hasn't been good, the last few years haven't been good, that he died for you despite that because of his love for you. And this comes from someone in this room who shared this with me recently. In the book of Hebrews, it says, For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. Thinking of you. Jesus died because of his love for you, and the joy it brought him to think of what the cross would mean for you and I. You were a joy to him. And as we come to take this now, I'd love you to believe all three of those things. That he can relate to you in your suffering. That he died for you in your sin because of his love for you. And you bring him great joy. And maybe there is a moment of just reflection that you want to take before you come forward and eat the bread and drink the cup. But would you bring that to him? Communion is a time for Christians to celebrate the gospel and to celebrate Jesus and the cross. So if you're not a Christian today, uh, we don't expect you to come forward and do this. This is for us to worship and celebrate Jesus and what he's done and what that means for us. But if you want to respond to him today, we'd welcome you to come forward. What what we do as a church is we break into small groups, small circles. So if you do see anyone who's not part of a a prayer circle as we take communion, open up a little bit, let them in. But we're going to come forward and take the bread and the cup and spread out around the room. And just take a moment to remember Jesus, his life, his death, his sacrifice, his love, his forgiveness, his suffering and the joy that he finds in each one of you.